welcome to another episode of In the Mood for Life, the podcast where I talk about whatever I'm in the mood for. And today I'm in the mood to talk about my dad. Eight years ago today, um, he passed away and it was one of the most surreal, insane moments that I've ever experienced. And I tried to record this a couple of times um, trying to talk about him, but it just honestly ended up in tears and sadness. And I was just kind of like, Another episode where we're just going to be sad the entire time. That's crazy. We did, you know, a letter to a friend that was a little sad, but, you know, bittersweet. Then we did um, the episode last week where I talked about how my relationship with my mom and I also talked about how I was healing that relationship through a new friendship. That was cool. And this week I'm in the mood to talk about my dad, but it's just kind of like, how do I pay tribute to my dad? How do I pay an ode to my dad, but not make it completely sad? Um, And I figured I would just do so by telling you about the lessons that my dad taught me and how it's just an absolute like pillar to who I am today. My dad used to drop hella gems on me. Okay. Like he was, if you guys don't know, I grew up very religious. My mother was an evangelist. My father was a minister. Um, And Before you think that I grew up with like the crazy Christian type shit, I really, I did and I didn't. So so my mom is like the typical toxic Christian that you would think of, you know, the, oh, God was going to kill you if you don't respect your parents type of shit. You know what I'm saying? My dad, I don't think that my dad ever said that to me. I think that the most that he ever said to me was um, honor your mother and your father. I don't think that he was ever telling me that I was going to die. Um, That was all my mom. At least that's how I remember it. You know why my dad didn't have to say that to me? Because we just automatically respected him. We just automatically respected him. It wasn't because he was a man or anything like that. It was because he always led with love. The way that he parented us was always with love and understanding and kindness. And I think as I as I become, you know, more of a mother myself, uh, I, I think that he was doing the same thing that I was doing. And I, as I get older, I realized my dad and I were very, very much alike um, in the sense that we are trying to be better than what we had. I'm trying to be a, a better mother than what I had. And he was trying to be a better father than what he had. Growing up, um, as far as I know, my dad didn't have the best relationship with his dad. Um, my grandfather was a very, very, very imperfect human. I'll just leave it at that. It's... You know, the stories that I heard as I got older were just so dark and twisted. And the grandfather that I grew up with was not even close to that person. So um, that's something that, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with because I can't imagine the way that my grandfather loved me. I can't imagine him treating my dad, you know, differently. But I'm sure that my child could say the same thing with how much my mom spoils her. So she would probably be like, no, Nana would never do that. And it's like, well, actually she would, you know what I'm saying? Like the way that my child lives is such, it's so insane to me because she lives in a space that I could not even imagine as a child. Just being able to tell your parent, hey, can we do this? And then your parent gets up and does it. Oh, I don't know nothing about that lifestyle. Like my dad, um, if you guys don't know, he, um, he passed away from cancer. So he didn't always have the energy. But out of both of my parents, if I wanted to do something, he was the one that got up and did it with me. If I needed to be somewhere, my dad made sure that I was there. Like he was definitely like the very active parent. And I feel like I'm the very active parent with my child now. So it's kind of like I'm living, I'm living like my dad. 
minus the whole seven kids thing because I'm not doing it. I'm not. I can't even imagine having that many kids. I, I'm. I have one, and I'm just kind of like I can't imagine having two. Like I had my nephew this past summer. Oh my god, struggle city. And now I have this dog, and it's like having a newborn, but a newborn that never stops being a newborn. Ultimately, I think this episode. Um, I just wanted to talk about all the lessons that I learned from my dad, you know, um, I could go back and talk about all the memories and things like that. But I think that would just lead me down a road of tears and agony. (laughs) But um, I just wanted to talk about the lessons and kind of like pass them along to somebody and hopefully it resonates or maybe it helps you. I've talked about a couple of these on my um, TikTok before, but um, since my TikTok is gone, I figured it can live on forever in this podcast. Now, I do want to preface this by saying that my dad probably wasn't the first person to say some of these or any of these, but the way that he taught them, I felt was pretty unique. First lesson, never let a man that isn't your husband buy you anything. And I know you're like, girl, um, that is not my ministry. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. It, rewind, rewind, rewind. Tell your daddy that he was wrong, okay? Because I need my bills paid today. And the thing is, is like, I, I recognize that, you know, a lot of you guys are okay with men buying you stuff. I will never be okay with a man buying me something that I need every day. And I say that because my first car, um, my boyfriend bought for me. And my dad told me up and down, do not let that man buy you your car. Do not let that man buy you a car. Because he's going, one, he's going to run, want something in return. And two, it will never truly be yours. And I was like, Dad, please, I got this. Okay. Plus, I, I want a car. Are you going to buy me a car? Are you going to buy me? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. You're not. So, guess what? Mama's going to buy herself a car. Bye. The only thing that I gave him in order to get that car was $500 for the down payment. And then he made the payments on it, he paid for it. When I tell you, I was so over the moon to have that car. It was my first car, it was a Pontiac G6. I was living, okay, living, okay, and um, I was taking the thing everywhere. It was great on gas, um, and unfortunately, because I was taking it everywhere, because my partner at the time was a homebody, um, he did not like that. He not like you that. He wanted me to stay in my ass in the motherfucking house. He wanted me to drive that car to him and him only. So you can imagine how pissed he was with me when I wanted to drive it to go visit my friends, drive it here and there. And he would say things like, I'll report that car stolen if you don't bring your ass home. And immediately I knew what my father was talking about. Immediately I knew what he meant when he said, don't let a man buy you anything because he's going to use it against you. And he's going to think that he can control you with it. And the thing is, is that I grew up with um, my mother doing that to me as well, you know, buying me things and then thinking, oh, because I did this for you, just so you know, you have to do this for me as well. Just so you know, like it was like I could never just be her daughter that she bought stuff for. It was always conditional. And I'm very, very, very adamant on the fact that I don't, you know, rub that in my child's face. Like I bought you this. So you have to do this. I bought you this. So you have to do this. Like I don't want to have a transactional loving relationship with my child. I just want to have a loving relationship with my kid. But as far as the car, luckily I got into a car accident and, you know, it totaled and didn't have to worry about that anymore. And so the next car I bought by myself and every other car after that I bought by myself because ain't no motherfucking way I'm letting a man tell me, tell me where I can and can't go. Don't let nobody, don't let no man buy you anything that you need every motherfucking day. I'll say that. I'll say that. Now, if you wanted him to pay them bills or whatever, do that. Cause that's like once a month, but don't let him. No, ma'am. I can't even do it with my husband. I can't even do it with my husband. Like my husband wants to buy me. Mm, Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm just scarred. Okay. I'm scarred for life. 
Here's the second lesson. And this one honestly sucks the most. Oh my God. I, I hate this one. I hate this one because it's so true. And that is some lessons in life just cost you. Oh, isn't that the word? Like it is just talking about you made your bed. Now lay in it. These are the consequences of your actions. You know, like you, sometimes you think to yourself like, um, oh, I can fix this. I can fix this. And sometimes things just aren't fixable. Sometimes you just have to deal with the deal with what you're dealt. And to sit in failure is one of the hardest things that I've ever done. Some lessons in life just cost you. Oh my God. There was this one time where, you know, uh, I was at work and I let somebody get the best of me. And I came out of my, I came out of my skin. I came out of my character and it cost me. It cost me my fucking job. A week later, I was let go. And you know what? I have no regrets. No regrets. That motherfucker deserved it. Fuck that. I don't even remember that motherfucker's name. I don't remember his name. All I know is I'm gonna call him Randy. Randy, you deserve that shit. You're a piece of shit. And I'm glad that I fucking told you. And I hope you still feel like a piece of shit. Oh, that felt so good. That felt so just like, mm, I like that. But no, seriously, Um, after I lost my job, I ended up not working for a really long time because I couldn't get a job. Um, And then I ended up falling out of love with the industry that I was in and I ended up pivoting to something completely different. But um, that was a tough lesson is that hold your peace, hold your peace, hold. Sometimes you just have to hold it. Sometimes you can't react to everything, Alexis. Sometimes you just got to, you know, calm yourself, sit back and don't let these people get the best of you. And as a kid, I had like literally the worst anger problems of all time. Like I was just like so agitated and angry. And I was just like, people used to say, oh, her green vein is popping. Yes, the fuck it is because y'all are pissing me to fuck off. And a lot of it was just because I wasn't being heard, which is honestly what was happening in that situation with Randy. Again, can't remember his name for the life of me. Um, But yeah, I was not being heard. I felt like I was talking to a brick wall. And when I feel like I'm not being heard, I feel like I'm not being seen. I'm going to fucking lose it. Also, when I'm ignored, I feel like I'm I'm going to lose it. I'm just one of those people that is just like, are you going to ignore me? You're going to ignore me. You're going to, I'm going to fucking kill you. Not kill you. That's ridiculous. But I just, you know, I, I come out of my skin a little bit. The consequences of my actions are usually things that I say and not necessarily things that I do because I've got a mouthpiece on me. Let me tell you something. I've got a mouthpiece on me. Like, for example, me just losing my TikTok account. Some lessons in life just cost you because I was talking that shit. And I was talking that shit because I didn't normally I do my disclaimer. And in my disclaimer, I say reality TV is not real. And then I go on and on and on. And I it basically let everybody know it's just for play play. It's not for real. And in this particular video, I didn't do my full disclaimer. You know, a lot of times I get people to um, get in my head. And so I don't always do my full disclaimer sometimes. And the video gets taken down. Um, And in this particular video, I did not do my full disclaimer. And the video ended up getting taken down. And that was a video that got me banned. So next time I do another Love is Blind, you know, any type of reality TV breakdown and I do my disclaimer, shut the fuck up if you got a problem with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, shut the fuck up. But ultimately, it was my fault. So in that case, some lessons in life just cost you. And this one, I have no problem with this one because, baby, I'll cut a friend off real quick. OK, um, not everybody can go where you're going. Not everybody can go where you're going. Sometimes you got to leave people where they're at. And you know what? That's you're going to listen to that. and You're like, that's cruel. That's sadity. That's, you know, that's ridiculous behavior. Why would you leave somebody where they're at? Like, what are you talking about? Everybody, everybody eating at my table. You know what I'm saying? Like, but what happens when that friend that you don't want to leave behind is dragging you down? 
What happens when you can't ascend to the next level because that person is bringing you down? Is it still, that's my, that's my dog. Is it still that? Are you going to stay in the trenches with this person? Are you going to let this person anchor you down? No, you can't do that. You have to ascend to the next level if that's what's meant for you. And just let go, you know, let go of that anchor that's weighing you down. And sometimes with friends that, you know, you outgrow or friends that, you know, refuse to grow up, you have to just leave them where they're at because not everybody can go where you're going. Not everybody can walk through the same doors that you walk through. And I think my sister had to learn that the hard way because she's so successful and um, because she's so successful. And a lot of people started at the same, you know, checkpoint as her. Um, And she reached the finish line in a different way than they did. Uh, They, you know, make her make her feel like she needs to dim her light sometimes or makes her feel like she's not that girl. And I'm just kind of like, why do you want to be friends with people like that? You know? And she's had to make some really tough decisions because of, you know, the way that people act towards her success, the way that people act towards, you know, her ascending, essentially. And um, it makes me kind of sad because she won't always root for herself. She won't always brag on herself because she doesn't want to make people feel bad. She doesn't want people to think that she's bragging. She doesn't want to. And it's just kind of like, girl. I'm a brag on you because you won't. Let me tell you all something. My sister is going to fucking Harvard to be a part of this like woman in leadership type thing. And it's just like Harvard. Like she literally photoshopped a picture of herself on that Kim Kardashian picture of her at Harvard. And she was like, eh, going to Harvard, going to Harvard. And I'm just like, can I brag on you, please, please. I just want to brag. on. I want to scream to the fucking heavens that my sister is going to fucking Harvard. She's going to Harvard. You no, know, she's 10 years out of school and she's already receiving uh you know, accolades for her accomplishments, um, from her alma mater. And, uh, again, like her, the people that she went to school with, they're not getting that. So she's just kind of like, Oh, I don't want to brag on myself too much. I don't want people to think that I'm this. And it's just kind of like, girl, at the end of the day, you, you did it. So you might as well brag on yourself. If people can't be happy for you as you get better, as you grow, then baby, leave them where they at. Cause guess what? Everybody can't go where you're going. And this last lesson, this last lesson that I'm going to talk about um, is one that is very near and dear to me because it always puts a fire under me. It always gets me going. You know, it always really just makes me want to literally shit on bitches. You know what I'm saying? And that is some people can take the hands. No, someone can take the hand that you were dealt and win. My dad used to say that to us when, you know, we felt like there was no up. We felt like there was no way that we could get ourselves out of whatever situation. Um, And, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're sitting in that failure, you think that winning is not possible ever again. And this was after, you know, my dad would say some lessons in life just cost you. However, someone can take the hand that you were dealt and win. You know, like, yes, you have to sit in this failure for a second, but recognize that you're going to, you got to keep going up. You got, once you hit rock bottom, there's no place to go, but up. You can't do nothing else, but go up. You can't do nothing else because guess what? There's somebody else that can do it. So why can't you? There's somebody else out there in the world that could hear what happened to you and be like, oh, that's not a, not not a problem. We'll figure it out. Somebody in the same situation as you 
Somebody that not somebody that has a leg up, not somebody that has the money to deal with the situation. No, somebody in the same exact situation as you, somebody living the exact same life as you can take that opportunity and win. Basically, like in a multiverse of, you know, this situation, there's a version of you that can figure this shit the fuck out. So get to figuring it out. And a lot of that comes from the saying in the biblical verse that, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, which means that nothing that you've ever gone through is nothing that somebody else hasn't gone through. There's nothing that you're experiencing that you're experiencing on your own. It might feel like that, but it's not necessarily the case. Baby mama problems. Baby, that's in the Bible. That is in the Bible. You ever heard of Ishmael? Oh, yeah. You got motherfuckers hating on you because you too pretty. Have you ever heard of Samson? Baby, it's in the Bible. Do you think that you're unlovable because you're a hoe and you got too many bodies? It's not true. Mary Magdalene was loved. The story that resonates the most with me um, from the Bible um, is uh, the story of Job. Uh, if you don't know the story of Job, Job is uh, the man who had it all. You know, he had the the life. He had everything that he could possibly want in life. He had a fam- beautiful family, you know, money, livestock. You know, he could not ask for anything else. And one day Satan comes to God and asks for permission to alter his life. And God says, you know, you not you're not going to waver his faith. So I mean, you can throw anything at him, and nothing's going to waver his faith, you know, towards me. And uh, Satan was like, "You think so? Oh, okay, bet." And you know, he throws everything that he possibly can at Job. He takes every way, everything away: his children, his wife, his life, his wealth, everything that you could possibly take away from somebody. He took away from Job, and through it all, you know, Job he stayed in his faith. Until one day he just broke down and he said, why, why is this happening to me? I don't understand why this is happening to me. And God said to him, uh, I can't explain to you the ways of the world. You know, some things in life just aren't ever going to make sense to you because I'm God. I, I'm not going to explain myself to you. Basically, God said, what I do is above your motherfucking pay grade. So how about you simmer down, you know, and, and watch your tone when you're talking to me, okay? Because I'm God and uh, the Lord given and the Lord taketh away. Okay, so relax. And Job, you know, in response was just kind of like, oh, my bad. My bad, bro. Like, I apologize. We good. Don't even worry about it. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I was tripping. I don't know why I did that. My bad. And God was like, oh, ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. Don't even worry about it. I forgive you. Thank you for repenting. Here's everything back tenfold. I'll give it back to you tenfold. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I know you've been through it. I know you lost a lot. I give it back to you tenfold. Don't even worry about it. Bro, bro. And Job, because of his unwavering faith, was, you know, given his little happy ever after. Which, honestly, part of that story don't say right with me. Because I'm just like, dang, you got a new wife and new kids and stuff like that. And that was cool with you. He was just like, oh, this is cool. I guess this replacement family will do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just so crazy to me. But overall, the story, the part of the story that resonates with me is unwavering faith. No matter what I've gone through, I've always had this unwavering faith that everything is always going to work out. All things are working together for your good, which is another Bible verse. Um, And I, I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that no matter what I've gone through, no matter what kind of pain I've endured, that it all happens for a reason and that there's a big, there's something bigger than me at play. As a lot of you know, from previous episodes, I had a daughter um, who died in the womb. She had trisomy 13. She was never going to, she was never going to live. Um, So we had to, well, she passed away inside of me, but um, I would have had to make the decision whether or not I wanted to terminate the pregnancy. Luckily, I did not have to make that decision, um, but also unlucky in that um, I lost a child and it was one of the most gut wrenching pains 
one of the worst pains that I've ever experienced. Shortly after that, I lost my job. I lost everything. You know, I only thing I didn't lose was my husband. Thank God. But I pretty much lost everything. I lost contact with my friends. A lot of my friends, you know, went away. Um, and it was just, it was a bad vibe. And unfortunately, I was literally thinking to myself, well, you know, this is bad, but it's going to, everything's going to be fine. Everything is going to be fine. And it wasn't fine for a very long time. It was not fine for almost six months. It was very bad for six months and it felt like it was never going to get better. And luckily someone took mercy on me and gave me a job. And that is where I'm at today. But ultimately, um, but ultimately all I can say is that my faith never wavered. There were times where I questioned why this was happening to me, but I don't think that I ever, you know, questioned God's plan for me because I knew that I was never going to suffer forever, but I was wanting it to be over. But I knew that that suffering was so crucial to who I am. And if I would have been able to bounce back from it, I wouldn't have learned the lesson that I needed to learn. That period of my life where I literally lost everything um, was really an accumulation of all the lessons that my dad taught me. And I needed all of them to get through that time. I needed to understand that um, some lessons in life just cost you. I needed to understand that uh, not everybody can go where you're going. I needed to understand a lot of different things. But ultimately, I want to thank my dad for teaching me such a strong sense of the mind, teaching me about meditation, telling me to lean on prayer when I'm feeling weak. And um, it's been something that's been absolutely uh, paramount in who I am. Like I would not be who I am without um, being able to lean on prayer and faith. And uh, I wouldn't say that I'm religious by any means. I think I'm more like spiritual um, because I don't go to church or anything like that. I don't really like practice any like religious, you know, types things, but I do pray when I feel weak. I do seek God when I feel weak. Um, I don't, I'm not the type of person to like, you know, grab some liquor, grab like some weed or something like that. But, um, I, I thank him for teaching me to always lean on what I know, um, and not focus so much on what I can't understand. Dad was an incredible human who made everybody that knew him feel seen and heard and understood. And he was somebody that um, never wanted people to feel like nobody cared about them. He loved me deeply, deeply. And on his last day, he told me it was, it was amazing being your dad. I've loved being your dad. And if I, if I wasn't so stubborn to think that dad, you're not dying, relax. If I wasn't so stubborn, I would have said right back to you. It has been a pleasure being your daughter. You're the best. You've been the best. I know that no matter what happens from here on out, you have taught me everything that I need to know to move on and and go on and trust and believe I'm going to be okay. And if my dad is watching over me and he's seeing me, you know, I'm okay. I told you that I was going to be okay. You know that I was going to be okay. You know that you you know that you wouldn't be able to leave here if I wasn't going to be okay. And everything's fine. It may not be perfect, but everything's fine. I miss that man like crazy, truthfully. Like I wish so badly that he was still here. Um and sometimes I think to myself it's not fair, it's not fair. But 
I know that some of the things that my siblings and I were able to accomplish, we would not have been able to accomplish if my dad was still here because we would, we wouldn't have as much drive as we do to make him proud. I just wish, I think the most thing, the thing that I wish the most is that he was here to see my daughter because he would have loved being her grandpa. Oh my God. He loved, he loved being her grandfather for the time that he did have, but he would have loved hanging out with her all the time. And I would have loved like sending him to be with her in the summer. Oh, that would have been like, I would have been able to rest easy knowing that my child was safe if she was with my dad. All in all, I just wanted to use this episode to talk about how amazing my dad was. And, um, I didn't want to cry this episode and I didn't want it to be too, you know, but yeah. So those are lessons from my father. And um, I want to thank you guys so much for listening uh, to In the Mood for Lex. And I'll see you in the next episode. Love you. Bye.